It's now this afternoon by eight minutes. I would like to direct your attention to Mark chapter number nine. To those of you that are visiting with us, we are delighted that you're here today. You're probably thinking, my Lord, what in the world did I get involved in in coming to this church? Um, but you have, you have to understand that we're not, how do I say this? We're not supposed to be normal. This is not just a regular group of people. And this is not just a regular gathering. But it's so far beyond human attempts to try to describe, which is why we have to refer to the Word of God. When God gave the Word, He was not giving a horizontal view of an enculturated group of people, but He was given a vertical view of from heaven to earth, a supernatural description of really what we are. We're glad that you're here. We're delighted that you made the choice to be here today, and we trust that you're blessed and enriched. Mark chapter number 9 and verse number 17. If I could get a little bit more monitor, I will be happy. Verse 17. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. That means he couldn't speak. And the parent is continuing to describe the condition of this boy to Jesus. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. He was possessed. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? bring him unto me. And they brought him, they brought the boy unto Jesus. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, you have to understand that this dialogue is taking place for our advantage. Jesus could have immediately, just upon looking at this boy, could have rebuked the spirits, and they would have entered no more into him. But this dialogue is for us. Jesus asked the Father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And his Father said, of a child. And oft times it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. 
Help thou mine unbelief. One of the most honest, one of the most honest declarations of the gospel. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for all those that are in attendance. Thank you for your spirit. I pray for a work of the Holy Ghost in this place. We'll give you the praise, the adulation, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This is going to be one of the more unique Sunday services that I have ministered in recent memory. Two weeks ago, probably unbeknownst to a lot of this congregation, two weeks ago, in this very sanctuary, there were 50, between 50 and 60 ministers and people from all over the Northwest were here. Men were here. Several brought their wives, but mostly pastors were here. Several evangelists were here. From all over the Northwest and the West Coast. There were three days of prayer and fasting. And Brother Gary Howard, a renowned pastor from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Brother Cody Marks, incredible evangelist, were here. And there was an incredible time of ministry, of prayer, and we're already planning on doing the next one. But in that meeting, God spoke to me. God spoke to me just as clear as I'm standing here this afternoon. And God brought this scripture. I was praying right over there where Brother Gary is sitting. You don't have to look look there, stare at him, but that's where I was sitting. And I was praying on Friday evening, and God spoke to me, and God brought this scripture to me. And I have been praying and ruminating on this particular passage of scripture ever since then. And I believe that 
that God was using this scripture to talk to me allegorically. An allegory is an illustration or a statement or a situation that can be applied to something else. I, when, I, when I felt like God brought this to me, I felt like God immediately showed me that. Um, and I was in awe of the entire process of how God brought this to path. Had an incredible time. Men were greatly blessed from around the Northwest. But I have continued to be fixated on this passage of Scripture. And I want to talk to us about a few things. There is another famous allegory in Scripture that is articulated. In fact, the word allegory is used by the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter number 4. We're not going to look at that. I'm just using that as a reference so that we, we can understand that this is something that happens in Scripture. Typically, most people are used to what's called as types and shadows, where an event happens in the Scripture that is referring to something else. Most notably, because everybody will remember this, when the nation of Israel went to Egyptian bondage. When they went into Egyptian bondage, that was the fulfillment of the Scripture that God gave to Abraham in Genesis chapter number 15. But it was also setting the typology for what God would do between Malachi and the arrival of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, so on and so forth. It was exactly 430 years. So what God did physically in the Old Testament, he did spiritually in the New Testament. That's a typology. But an allegory is an illustration and in Galatians chapter number 4, the apostle is talking about what happened at Mount Sinai. He was talking about two different mountains and the mountain, Mount Sinai, and then he was referring to Jerusalem, Mount Zion, and how that Mount Sinai um, was the place where their Mosaic covenant began. And that was under the law. But we are of the free, which is Jerusalem. And he termed that as an allegory, which means that the mountain, the illustration of the usage of a mountain was an illustration for something that God would do later. Not necessarily a fulfillment, a prophecy, but an illustration. Well, this particular passage of Scripture, I feel like that God... This is a very unusual passage of Scripture. There's nothing like it in the entirety of the ministry of Jesus for several reasons. One of the things that makes it incredibly unique is this is the very first occurrence of meeting with people after the Mount of Transfiguration. At the Mount of Transfiguration, um, there was Jesus transfigured. It was an incredible occurrence that was only available to a few. And so there was incredible spiritual highs 
And the first thing that they come in contact with when they come back to terra firma, if you please, is a demon-possessed boy. On the other side of this, just one chapter later, the disciples see a man that's actually casting devils out but refuses to follow the disciples. And Jesus said, leave him alone. And right in the middle is this incredible story of a boy that becomes possessed at a young age. We have other illustrations of children in the Bible. We have children being healed. We have Jesus praying for the young children. But this is the only occasion that I'm aware of in Holy Writ where you have a child that is demonically possessed. The reason for that is, as I believe, is because it was a rarity. Possession did exist. We have several examples of that. But to have a child of a child, that appears to be a rarity in Scripture. But the allegory that I feel like that Jesus, the Holy Ghost, immediately presented to me is that in this day and age, it's common. In this day and age, it's prevalent. In fact, every miracle that Jesus performed, every conversation that he had, every dialogue that he had, the scripture says that all scripture is profitable, so nothing is to be wasted from the ministry of Jesus, and it can be applied to any age, any hour, any people, any country, any nation, any ethnic group, any group of orientation. Fill in your blank. It doesn't matter. The scripture applies to you as it does to every person. And the very first part of this illustration, example, if you please, is that the father went to the disciples and they could not cast out the spirit. No doubt there was probably frustration on the part of the disciples. The problem is still there in living color right before them. The father is distraught. I don't know where the mother was. Maybe she was there and the father was doing all the talking. Maybe there were other family members that were present. I know not. But the father was vocal that he took this situation to the disciples and nothing could be done. 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to preach this to you or present this to you without any adulteration whatsoever or ministerial inflection. I'm going to give this to you exactly how I feel like God gave this to me. But I am here today to tell you and to proclaim that the supernatural is going to begin to manifest itself What has happened, and I'm just going to give you a very short history lesson. What has happened is, is that the church of the living God, people that absolutely have the truth, not just everybody. I'm talking about the verity, the truth, the express truth of the word of God. We have been part of the larger Christian culture that has been prevalent in this nation for over 200 years. And what's happened with the pandemic is that people are thinking that it's a negative. The average person says 7,000 words. But how many people actually communicate anymore? They have to have social distancing. They have to have a mask. Most people are communicating through cell phones, social media, online. They're not even communicating anymore. I want, to, I want you to know that God has not been caught off guard by this. God has a plan that is going to go beyond whatever this world does because God is going to accomplish exactly what the Holy Ghost wants to accomplish. And I, for one, I've never been more excited in all my life. You're not going to get me down in the, in the dumps over a vaccine and over this pandemic. God is bigger than any of that. If you are alive and well in the church of the living God, you have been invited to the most exciting chapter in the history of the church of the living God. Oh, let's clap our hands and give God the praise. I'm telling you, this is God's hour. I was watching on YouTube a clip from a woman that is bound to a wheelchair in England. And she was describing her experience of attending a charismatic church where Great and long prayers were made for the sick and the, and the halt and the maimed and, and the crippled. Not a criticizing, I'm just describing it. And she was narrating this. She was, she, was, she, she was in this video, but she was narrating her thoughts and her feelings as she took everybody through this story, how that... She had watched other people go through this prayer line and, and several weeks went by and it was her turn to get prayed for and she was greatly anticipating this 
and she was greatly looking forward to this, and she was looking at this like this was her opportunity to get healed. She went, this man prayed for her, and nothing happened. I know that's a familiar story, and I'm just telling you about this because I'm going somewhere with this. Um, and so later there was a face-to-face -face meeting with this pastor and his wife and this woman that was bound to a wheelchair, and she was cross-examining him and asking, well, why, why didn't I get healed? And and these kind of things are probably taking place much, it's much more common than we really realize. And the pastor did his best to try to encourage her and try to, to assuage her irritation that she has been coming to this church and, and nothing happened and she has seen other people that quote unquote got their needs met and her needs were not met. And near the epilogue, the end of this story, she was talking about how this had grossly affected her faith. Um, I saw another clip. It was, you know how it is with YouTube. You see one clip and there's a bunch more that are relevant according to the subject matter. There was one by a huge charismatic preacher. I'm not going to mention his name. But it was, it was saying that he went and prayed for a man in a wheelchair. The wheelchair flipped over, and the guy just kept going. He showed no, and, and they talked to the man. They did a physical examination of the man, and, and nothing, nothing was any different with this man. And uh, they talked to other people that, that claimed to, um, they waved their jackets around, and they snapped their fingers, and they... They, they motion with her handkerchief, and they go through all this stuff, and there's no changes, there's no healing, there's no whatever. I really believe what would happen if one person with COVID, one person, that we anointed them with oil and God healed them in Jesus' name, you would forever end the hold of this government and this church would swell in size. What are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm trying to say this. I believe that God is preparing us. We are at the end of this thing. The old days of just knocking doors and inviting people to church and thank God we need to do it. But the devil has now tried to put blockades to keep people from coming to church and hearing the gospel and being saved. I want to tell you, God's got another plan. God's got another avenue over here. I'm telling you, you are going to see things happen that are going to blow your mind. Oh, let's give God some praise. How many people have been prayed for in Christian environments and nothing changed? And this is why when this man finally got to Jesus, he's now in the, in the presence 
of truth and spirit. And he says, I believe, but I also unbelieve. I'm going to tell you that there's a lot of people in our world today that when you show them the gospel, there's part of them that believes, but there is that nagging sense in the bottom of their heart that says that didn't work and that didn't work and this didn't work. Hold on. Jesus is about to show up. Jesus is not going to show up where they are not preaching baptism in Jesus' name. He is not going to show up without the infilling of the Holy Ghost. He is not going to show up where there is not the repentance of, oh, somebody help me. The fastest growing movement in America today is called the nuns. Not N-U-N, but N-O-N-E-S, nuns. They do not claim any religious affiliation. They might have been raised one group or that group or this group, but they are, when they come around to do a census, they say, I don't affiliate with anybody. I don't associate with anybody. I'm just staying home. What would happen? If the supernatural began to be manifested across the street. I know what you're thinking. I can read your mind from way up here. But I'm telling you that God came in here on a Friday night and talked to me in the Holy Ghost and prepared me. I'm telling you that God is getting ready to blow. This place is mine, and he is going to show up, and he's going to show out. Somebody clap your hands. Somebody lift your voice. Somebody give him praise. I believe this with everything that's in me. You're saying, why didn't God do it sooner? He wanted to wait until there was a pandemic, until people got freaked out, until the church is frozen. And then he said, this is about to wrap up. I told you this is going to be different. I feel your skepticism where you're sitting right there because you're saying there's other stuff I pray for and God didn't do it. You've got unbelief with belief. That is the most honest statement made in the New Testament. Here is a father with a demon-possessed child that is desperately needing God to do something. And Jesus said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible. And he realizes, I don't meet the requirement. I've only got a little bit of faith. I got enough faith just to talk to you. I got enough faith just to stand here with you. I got enough faith just to get him to the church. And Jesus said, if somebody will pay the price, the devil's got to go. It's not going to happen by just showing up. It's not going to happen by getting on social media. It's not going to happen by watching YouTube. We're going to have to give ourselves to prayer and to fasting and to consecration and to dedication. Somebody clap your hands and say, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. 
You bring your demon-possessed kids to this church. You go ahead and bring your alcoholic parents to this church. You go ahead and bring your pornography problem to this church. You go ahead and bring your broken marriage to this. Oh, God, somebody help me right now. You ain't seen nothing yet. Let's just praise him. I am not going to perform. I'm not going to give you some theological dissertation and go through the motions. I've come to tell you exactly what God told me. Jesus, help our unbelief. Come on, let's lift our hands. Let's just be honest. God already knows it's there. You did this, it didn't happen. You went there, it didn't happen. You went over there, it didn't happen. You came over here where they said, here is Christ. There is Christ. Here is Christ. This is a big time evangelist. Let's go to Benny Hinn. Let's go over here. Let's go over here. And it doesn't happen. Jesus makes one of the most profound statements in this conversation. It almost looks, I'm not trying to insinuate that God is being rude, but it almost looks like Jesus is putting this whole scenario on pause, and now he's talking to us. Oh, faithless generation. How long shall I be with you? He's not talking to that father. He's not talking about that boy that's, that's right now foaming at the mouth on, in the dirt. God has pushed this on pause, and now he's talking to everybody. Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I suffer you? The apostolic church, the apostolic movement, if people will pay the price, they're going to go to another level. Well, Pastor, you know, we got this big building over there. Thank God for that big building. It ain't going to stop me from going to another level. I'm not about that big building. I want everything I can get out of this. I've only got one life to live, and I want to give it all to God. I'm going to let God squeeze everything like a white rag. I want him to squeeze every amount of anointing and unction and consecration. Somebody clap your hand. Somebody said, I want some of that. I want to go to the next level. I'm not looking to be, I'm not looking to sit on a pew. I'm not looking to be in the crowd. I'm not looking to be a big face. In a small crowd, I want to be used of God. Somebody shout. Somebody give God the praise. Do you realize? Do you realize what God has already done with this congregation? This is not bragging. Do you realize what God did with a home missionary that's never been to this region in his life? 
and with a group of people that God assembled with his own hands. I ain't looking at the building. I'm looking at the masses of people God's going to send. Well, we went to the big church over there and nothing happened. Come on home. We went over here and nothing happened over there. Come on over here. We went, took our little problem over there and nothing happened. Let's baptize you in Jesus' name. We went over here and nothing happened. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Speak in other tongues. Do you realize, you know Brother Darcy Ross? I love Brother Darcy Ross. If you don't know Brother Darcy Ross, he's a Canadian. He called. He said, Pastor, Mayo, I'm coming through town on my way to go see my dad. His dad lives in Cranbrook. Cranbrook. And he said, can I stop by and say hi to you? I said, come on. He walked through that building. This is what he said. What a momentous time for the Northwest. He didn't whine and complain. He didn't bicker. He didn't look for a fight. He wasn't jealous. He was excited. He said, if God did it for you, God's going to do it for me. God's got to start somewhere. Why not you? Most of our revival is going to come from denominational churches. Denominational churches believe in a Catholic doctrine called the Trinity that proves that they are daughters of Rome, according to Revelation chapter number 17 and Revelation chapter number 18. Most people have just thought, no, you don't even understand where it came from. There's only one God. There is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. What's his name? Nobody was ever baptized in the titles. Give you $1,000 if you can prove that to me today. Oh, I feel an old school spirit coming on me. That old debating spirit. We don't need to debate nothing. Let's just look in black and white. And they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Acts chapter 8, they were only they were baptized in the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 10, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord. Acts chapter 19, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's our day. It's our hour. 
We don't need Christian rock music. We don't need a Christian poet. We don't need Christian humor. Give me the power of an almighty God. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. There are people that will go all over this region with their problem. There was a woman that came to this church many, many years ago. She had at least seven different personalities that I'm aware of. She went to some neighboring churches. And they just exalted her like she was the greatest thing until she filed a lawsuit and named every one of those churches with the district superintendent over there because they wouldn't listen to my warnings. And she got up and she said, the only church in this area where they confronted me was Cornerstone. I'm, t- I'm trying to tell you, we are ripe for this. We are ripe. God, if you're going to do miracles anywhere, look no further. If you're going to move anywhere, we're not going to the restaurant. I'm not looking at my watch right now. I want everything I can get out of this. I want everything I can get out of the Bible. I want everything I can get out of the Spirit. I want everything God's got for me. People that have gone. Let's lift our hands and just worship God right now. Let's pray. Come on. Jesus said, you're going to be hated of all men, not because of the Trinity, not because of religious groupings. The only people that would be hated for all names, for all, of all peoples, was for his namesake. That's Jesus in baptism. That's Jesus everything. Jesus in miracles. Jesus in healings. But if you don't get the baptism thing right. See, baptism is not joining the church. Baptism is being born into a new kingdom. Pastor, we've never heard this before. I know. I understand. Nobody else has either. 
I believe that our greatest influx is going to be from good denominational people that want God. I brought my problem to your disciples and they couldn't do it. People are so skeptical anymore about This is fascinating to me, is that everywhere Jesus went, he did a demonstration. Most people, through preference, think that the word demonstration, the root word is demon. The first, first three syllables, that's, no, D, D-E is a prefix. The root word of demonstration is monster. It comes from a Latin word, which got morphed into demonstration. As cornerstone, as God chooses, and this is a God thing, and as God determines, and as cornerstone continues to yield. God's going to start drawing with an invisible pull because any church that has that dimension of unction creates a vortex. And in a vortex, everything starts spinning around a spiritual epicenter, a nucleus that begins to draw in. Jesus, how come we couldn't cast that spirit out? He said this privately. If you have faith. The reality of it is when the man said, I believe, help thou mine unbelief, he was describing everybody that was standing there, including the disciples. Everybody is in that condition. Yeah, yeah, I believe, but I don't think it's going to happen. And that's not really faith. That's why Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, but it's got to be, it can only be, it can be microscopic, but it's got to be pure. It can't have, it can't have fissures and, and, and lines through it of, of skepticism and doubt. It's got to be aggregate. It's got to be solid. It's got to be all faith. And before Jesus ever told them about the consecration part, he said, if you have faith, how be it? This kind goeth forth not, but by prayer and fasting. The end time church is going to take care of their flesh.
That's it. No popcorn. No pastoral calisthenics. That's it. They're going to be coming from everywhere because it ain't happening everywhere. I took them over yonder, didn't happen. I took them over here, and it didn't happen. I took them over here, and it didn't happen. When they come here, we've been waiting on you. Come on, somebody. I don't want a 21st century Pentecostal church. I want a 21st century apostolic blazing church. Come on, somebody, clap your hands. It's time to get rid of the American dream and be a part of God's dream. There are going to be people that are going to text me after this service today and they're going to say, Pastor, I felt like God's been talking to me about this. Because I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is already starting to talk to people about going to a deeper level, consecration-wise. And what you're doing is you're, you're preparing yourself. People that pray and fast are on another level. I first got to Spokane. I ran into a bunch of good folks that said, oh, you're Pentecostal. Your congregation's Pentecostal? Well, my wife and my two kids are. My son's three. My daughter's one. We're all Pentecostal. Oh, then you must have heard about John G. Lake. John G. Lake, who's that? Well, John G. Lake was a faith healer that had an effectual revival between the years of 1905 and 1906 in downtown Spokane. So I started, I went to the library and started looking up books on John G. Lake, and I found a news clipping from the Spokesman Review, Brother Wokey, that went all the way back to the late 1800s, like the 1890s, I believe. And the spokesman reviewed did a story on John G. Lake and said, we've heard of the great miracles. We've heard of the great things until we started interviewing the people that were prayed for. One man was told, and I almost quote, one man, Brother Gary, had been prayed for three times and told, don't use a crutch, that his, his hip was completely out. But they had been telling him, he's healed, he's healed, he's healed, he's healed. Don't use that crutch. Don't use that walker. You're healed. And the news reporter said, after many medical examinations, we have concluded that there's not been one healing from the John G. Lake Crusade. You want my take? 
My take is John G. Lake was a very smart man, and he heard about what was going down in Azusa Street down in Los Angeles, California. And he said, I know a good-sized city up in the Northwest that has never had seen a preacher like me. They've never heard of a preacher like me. And if it can happen in Azusa Street, it can happen up here. But he came up here, and there's many people that believe that there were people healed, but there was not one medically corroborated healing that took place. I'm here to tell you that when there is a move of God, there is lying signs and wonders, and the devil will always try to duplicate and replicate what only God can do. This is why it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, verse number 9, it's talking about at the end, even him who's coming is after working of Satan with all powers and signs and lying wonders. Somebody sent me a clip here about three weeks ago. They said, Pastor, I love this song. We should play this song in the church. And I looked, I looked at this video that that song was being sung, and, and it was denominational, charismatic people that were jumping up and down like it was a rock concert. The people that were playing it looked like rockers, but it was, quote, unquote, a Christian deal. I'm trying to tell you that the devil's going to try to duplicate our worship. The devil's going to try to duplicate miracles. The devil's going to try to duplicate everything. But you cannot duplicate the truth. you got to go down in the name. you got to be buried in the name. you got to come up in the name. you got to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost speaking another tongue. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. The devil is going to try to fool you. Brother Lee Stone King, a friend of mine, tremendous evangelist. He doesn't even evangelize, I don't think, much anymore because he's getting a little older, but he made this statement. He said, when you go to these big, huge campaigns where it's a tele-evangelist or a healing evangelist, he said, Satan has always been willing to trade the body for the soul. And so while people are thinking they're in line to get healed of cancer, the devil says, talks to his minions and says, when that man puts his hand on you or prays over you, withdraw from that body driving the error of their misperception of biblical salvation deeper and deeper. With some of those people, they just believe you call on the name of the Lord and, and, and make him your personal savior. They just shake the hand and you're part of the church. They don't even believe that you got to be part of a new kingdom by a new birth, by a powerful form of regeneration. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Very first thing the devil did in the third century was change baptism. Why? Why did he do that? Because in Matthew chapter 28, verse number 18 through 20, Jesus said, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. That word is not dunamis, like the word power of the Holy Ghost in Acts 2. That's the word exousia, which means authority. When Jesus told the disciples to go out and go into other nations, and preach the gospel, he gave them dunamis, or he gave them exousia, not dunamis. Dunamis wasn't available yet till Jesus was glorified. John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. And so he gave them authority. But they came back rejoicing, saying, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And Jesus said, don't rejoice over that, but rather rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. 
when you bring exousia and dunamis together. If you're here today and you were not baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you were baptized in a non-biblical form. The reason why I know this is because I was raised United Methodist. And when I came among these incredible people known as the apostolics, the very first thing they did was give me a Bible study on biblical salvation. And right there it says baptized in Jesus' name. I had never heard that before. I thought, man, if that's so preeminent in Scripture, how come nobody ever showed that to me before? But you have to understand in the third century, while, while the apostolic movement was taking over Asia Minor, Constantine said, we're going to change this message and we're going to make it Roman. We're going to make it part of the Roman Empire and the first thing they changed was baptism. In Luke's account, of the demon-possessed boy being freed, he said they were all amazed. Acts chapter 2, verse number 7, when they heard them speak with other tongues, they were all amazed. Acts chapter 2, verse number 12 said, and they were all amazed. You know why people like coming to this church? You know why people like to come and just, they, I've, I've seen people just bring all their friends from work and all their friends from college, and they said, man, I know a church. You've got to go visit these wild people. You know why they leave here amazed? They've never seen what liberty really looks like. They've never seen really what spiritual freedom looks like. Freedom and liberty is not sitting there. Freedom and li liberty in the spirit is to be able to move when God moves. When God moves, I'm moving. In fact, if God ain't even moving, I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to go ahead and lift my voice. I'm going to go ahead and start the reciprocity. I'll go ahead and lift the praises up and watch the glory come down. If you're spiritually free, you can flick your cigarette, you can quit your pornography, you can quit your lying, you can quit your sinning, you can quit your backsliding. If you've got spiritual liberation. But to be in bondage and call it freedom is exactly what the devil's doing. I'm just telling you. I just came here today to tell you because God told me that that scripture there in Mark 9 is an allegory of people all over this world that are going to be bringing demon-controlled situations. Instead of celebrating recovery through a 12-step program, some anointing over that pulpit will break every shackle and set you free. You can go ahead and celebrate recovery. What happened to an anointed pulpit? What happened to an anointed altar? What happened to the baptism of reality? There's an alarming amount of those kinds of churches that are embracing celebrate recovery. And I'm like, what's going on in that church service? What's coming across that pulpit? 
What are they doing in that service? You know, them people that are addicted to pornography and addicted to prescription drugs, they got a meeting on Thursday morning, on Thursday evening. We got one of those meetings at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. I ain't waiting till Thursday night. You don't have to wait until Alcoholics a Meeting uh, Anonymous convene. You don't have to wait for some celebrate recovery. You can come to an altar and watch the power of the living God, a risen Christ, break every chain, cast down imagination, and set you free. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. wasn't really sure how to land this thing. When I was a new convert, I was unafraid to step out of the boat, so I'll just step out of the boat now. If you need, you're here today, you're sitting here today, and you need a genuine healing or deliverance, I want you to stand. I'd like to invite every single one of you that are standing to come down to the front right now. Please, only those that stood. We've got a big, a big spot right here. Come on, come on. Because there's people coming behind you. God bless you. Thank you. Brother Jeff Elder did a fabulous job of articulating the difference between immediate healing and being cured. And he used the Greek word. And that's where we get the word therapy. Magnificent, magnificent preaching that he did. He was used of God. And he said, when it's a cure, you have to continue to go back to the source. And the healing becomes progressive so that God builds a relationship with you instead of healing you and you walk away. I've walked into, I have walked into hospital rooms and watched God did, do the absolute supernatural only have those people never fulfill what they said to God in my presence in that hospital room. So the way God does it is he builds that cure into a lasting relationship. We're about to pray. All it would take for me is one person. Help thou. 
If you're standing in this altar right now, I want you to lift your hands. I want us to pray. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, God, I believe you unequivocally that right in this environment here this afternoon, the God that walked cobblestone streets, raised the dead, rebuked spirits, and healed our temples. Father, I pray that you move across this audience right now by the authority of the name of Jesus. And I pray for healing virtue. I pray for healing power in the name of Jesus. 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 I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. I want to believe God. Help thou mine unbelief. I believe. But help thou mine unbelief. Let's lift our voices and pray right now. If thou canst believe. Come on, let's continue to just, if nothing else, just praise him. If nothing else, just glorify him. God, I'm going to exalt you either way because I know you're true. I know you're real. I know your love is real. I know you're genuine. I know your power is real. I'm asking the people in the pew to start praying. Start using your faith as a conduit for God's power to flow. Come on, brothers and sisters, lift your voice. Help us pray. Lord, I believe. Help thou our unbelief. By the authority of the name of Jesus. By the authority of the name of Jesus. I'm going to hang on to this. I remember pastor preaching this. I remember pastor saying, I believe, but i got to deal with that unbelieving part. Somebody in the pew begin, begin to travail, begin to intercede, begin to intervene. This is not a sideshow. This is not just a Pentecostal promotion. This is the power of God.
I don't got to feel nothing. It's in the word of God. And I've got faith that God loves me. I've got faith his promises are real. I'm going to go ahead and praise him. I'm going to go ahead and magnify him. I'm going to go ahead and glorify him.